We are going through um, Fruits of the Holy Spirit this semester. And I don't know about you ladies, but I have gained a lot from the time in, the, in God's word. Uh, you know, God's word just does not come back void. And if we take the time to study it, um, we'll have fruit in our, in our homes. How many have benefited from the study of the fruits of the Holy Spirit this, this fall? Very good. That means your spirit is awake and alive and well. I'm so very thankful. So I'm just, remember this whole chapter is just about the battle we have between living in the spirit and living a carnal life. And the fruit of the spirit is what marks us as a believer. So if we have these fruits and we have the Holy Spirit and we've confessed our sins, we know who, we know God is our savior, we have fruit. And that fruit should be obvious. Okay, so we're going to talk through, we, we, um, let me just read the verse first, 522. But the fruit of the spirit is love joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. So last week we... Um, well, we spent a couple of weeks on love. I think spent three weeks on love, and then we covered joy. And this week and last week, we were on peace. We talked about living um, peace as Paul instructs us in Philippians 4. He says, if you'll do like I do, then you'll have peace. So we went through those, those tenets of Philippians 4, whatsoever things are true and right and just. So what, where we keep our mind is a big indicator of how peaceful we're going to be. And you know how many thoughts we have a day? About 40,000. 40,000. That's a lot to manage. Some of them are more conscious than others, you know, time to wake up or what do I do about this kid or two different kinds of thought processes. And um, so what do we do with those thoughts that come in our head? And um, Psalm 29:11 it says, the Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. So that's a promise God gives us. If we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we should be able to experience peace. And today we're just going to talk about peace with our man, our own husbands. And if you're not married, you'll be able to encourage someone else. Um, in that, a younger woman may come to you complaining and distressed about her husband, and you'll be able to talk her through how to have peace with your husband. And there's um, circumstances that threaten our peace every day like illness, addiction, finances, war and unrest in the world, craziness in the world, relationships close to home. And lots of things can um, really upset the circumstances in our life where we don't feel like we can find God's peace. But if we have peace or not, depends on where we filter those 40,000 thoughts. Is it through my own sin nature, my carnal self, or is it through God's word and his wisdom? Romans 8, 6 says, if I'm spiritually minded, I will have life. But if I'm carnally minded, it's death. And it's talking about spiritual death there. So, you know, in the context of marriage, how do we have a peaceful marriage? Can anybody say they have 100% peaceful marriage? Me either. Even if you have a perfect husband, who has a perfect husband? Who's a perfect wife? Even if you were both perfect, you would still have 
struggles that make you lose your peace. So um, you know why that is? Because what is the curse? The curse is that we want to rule over our husbands. So no matter how perfect he is, we still think we know better. <laughs> we think we're smarter. We think we're wiser. We go to more Bible studies. We spend more time in the word. We just, you know, we're so intuitive. You should just really listen to us, right? Even if he's perfect. So that's none of our world, I, I know. So, and it's always important to, um, to choose our battles carefully. So we're going to talk about, you know, keeping peace in our relationship. I'm not talking about um, abuse or things like that. I'm talking in the course of normal everyday life. If you have deeper issues where there's sin, uh, unconfessed sin, un, um, unchecked sin in, in your husband, or if there's things going on, I encourage you to sit with one of the ladies. Um, Joni's here today. She'd be happy to sit with you um, and pray. And uh, we have a we have Rita and um, Ken Alexander who will um, counsel you as a couple. So we do have encouragement for you. But today we're talking about in the ordinary scope of life, okay? So I have to decide when issues come up. What's more important? That I prove I'm right? That I get my way? That I show I am smarter? Or is it to obey God's word? What does Ephesians 5, 22 say? Um, in 22 through 32, it talks about the husband-wife relationship. And it talks about, at the very end of that, it says, wives, see to it that you respect your husbands. So it's our job to respect him, no matter how smart we feel or how right we may be. And in Isaiah, God tells us that he will keep in perfect peace those whose mind are stayed on him. So we don't need to keep our minds on ourselves, right? We need to keep our minds on God. This is not obeying our, our, our guys because he deserves it. You know, if we all got what we deserve, where would we all be? We would be here. But God is gracious, right? And so we, gotta, we need to learn to be gracious with our guys as well. So let's talk about the foundations of peace with our man. And I have some points here for you. Number one, number one is realize our call as helper. We've talked about this a bit this year. That word helper is easer, and that easer is the same word used for the Holy Spirit. It's helper, and we're not to be our husband's Holy Spirit, but we are to be his helper. We're not to be his conscience or tell him what to do or to try to, to manipulate or direct him. And this idea of being a helper is not a popular one. It's becoming less and less popular as the division between man and woman is usurped by our, by our culture. But it's one of the ways we can witness is by the peace that comes through obeying God's um, foundation for marriage. And that is the man is the head of the house and the woman is the support and she's the helper. What, what did Jesus care about the most? He cared about people. And he has endowed women with the love and ability to care for people. We bear children. We nurture children. We raise children. Who ends up taking care of the elderly? It's generally the woman. Who, who supports her husband? It's the woman. And that is not slavery, ladies. That is freedom. And that's service. It's what God has called us to. And it's our way of walking in his steps because that's what he did. And we allow the world to tell us that that's a less than situation. It's a, you know, we're called, men and women are, are equal in their 
and they're being, but they're called in different ways. We're, we both were all called to serve. We have different ways to serve. We're going to talk about how he serves his family. But as women, this is what we're called to do. And what do we keep our eyes on? Jesus. Not on if our family deserves that or if I'm worn out or whatever. This is what God has called me to do. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. An excellent wife. When an excellent wife studies her husband, she knows who he is. She knows his strengths and his weaknesses, and she steps in to support him in both of those things. And I love Proverbs 31. You know, it kind of intimidates a lot of ladies, but it's some good things to think about when we're thinking about being an excellent wife. Starting in verse 10, who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. What does that tell you about her? She's kind of rare. Let's all try to be one of those rare women who can call themselves excellent wives. The heart of her husband safely trusts in her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. When you read through the chapter, she's industrious. She's wise. She's keeper of the home. She's looking out for her family. She's training her children. Like, like all of you, you guys are great examples of virtuous wives and moms. I love verse 27. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of wild idleness. And what does that mean, watching? It means you're observing what's going on in my home. Being aware, taking care, looking out for Guarding, and in the in the context of husband, love husband, we're talking about guarding that relationship. Am I there for him? Number two, the foundation of being um, keeping our homes at peace. We have to know that we're different than our guys. We're not the same. God did not design us the same. We are different. We're so very different. If we were the same, we wouldn't need each other, would we? He's called to be our what? You guys should know our our priest. He's a that means that he's in charge of our, he's responsible to God for our spiritual life. Do you know that that is true whether he's a believer or not? And what are we called to do? Respect our husband. It's not follow him if he's a believer, not follow him if, if he's doing what I ask him to or what I think he should be doing, but, but to respect him. I don't know about you ladies, but it's a hard call to respect my guy sometimes. Not that he doesn't deserve it. My guy's a great guy, but that respect comes from my, my love and respect for God. What about my provider? He's a provider for his family. Even if mom works, and many of us do anymore, he's the one responsible for the food and shelter of our home and making sure that everyone is cared for. It says if he doesn't do that, he's worse than an infidel, a man who does not take care of his home. And he's our protector on all levels. He's our protector physically, mentally, spiritually. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty big calling, isn't it? A lot of responsibility for our guys. I think sometimes we take them for granted. We don't realize the pressure and the burden that that puts on him. And you know what his biggest fear is? Failure. But he won't be able to. That's a big burden to, to, to hold. So our, you can see how important it is for us to be that support to him. We don't want to fight against those things. We want to help him and uphold him. So we're, and we're different in all ways, aren't we? Emotionally, generally, our guys don't show emotion like we do. Don't like to show emotion, it makes them feel vulnerable. That's a thing to be in side by side. A lot of times, if you're just sitting watching him work on his car or hanging out with him, he might reveal more than if you're looking into his eyes. He doesn't like that vulnerability. 
hard for a guy to look in the eyes. Think about that with your sons as well. Physically, he's different. He is made different. He is stronger just by the way he's built. Everything, I should have Katie come and talk about the difference between the bodies of the men and the women. There's no way that a, a man who thinks he's a woman can compete against women and not win. His body is different. Everything in his bone structure and then the way he, and his muscles and his testosterone, he will win. Men are stronger than we are by design because they are a protector. You know, I think some of the, one of the worst things that has happened to us as a culture is that we teach evolution. So things just kind of evolve. But God designed our families a certain way. He designed men as men and women as women. And he designed marriage for protection. And we try to step outside of that and look where we're at. Mentally, he's different. Is your guy as good at multitasking? Mine either. It's hard for them. I'm not saying I'm great at it, but I'm better than he is. Um, and the older I get, the harder it is to, to multitask. But generally, a guy will go on one track and go deeper and do it well. You know, so it's really hard for them sometimes to follow our conversation. We laugh sometimes when we're talking as girls. Oh, they'd never be able to keep up. No, they wouldn't. You know, we're all over the place. But they're designed to, to go deeper. And do you think they're different sexually? Yeah, quite a bit. Quite a bit. Do you know it's on a guy's mind like all the time? A man's mind. And that's the way he's designed. It doesn't make him a dirty old man. It makes him the way God designed him. You know, who, who's designed to be with him? His wife. And if we deny him that, what's he going to do with all that? It's really, really important that we don't, not deny our guys or find excuses not to be with them sexually. I'm too tired. I just had a baby a year ago. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't fly here. Six weeks, girls. Normal, normal birth, six weeks. That's all you get. Sorry. I won't back you. You're the only one he can look at and, not, and be free of sin. Let him look and enjoy. You know, a lot of times we're just not in the mood. You know, he's, it's easier for him to get there. We're, we're far away from thinking about that, aren't we? Plan times to be with him. Make an appointment. It's okay if you got kids. You know, meet you tomorrow night. Got the kids going out to grandma's or whatever. Enjoy him. Let him know you look forward to being with him. It's so important to him. You know what it does for a guy that his wife wants to be with him? And do you know what it does to him when she doesn't? It's a destroyer. It's a, it's a relationship killer, ladies. And God knows that. He tells us not to deny each other. So let him know you look forward to being with him. Plan for it. You know, if you're, and especially if you know when, you know, do some things that you know will help you get there. Listen to your favorite romantic music. Take a bath. Get prettied up. You know, find something pretty to wear. Find a romantic movie to watch. A nice dinner. Pamper him. Look forward to being with him. And then just be willing to spend time with him. He wants you to be with him. Number three, do I have goodwill towards my husband? Does he, does he know that I'm for him? Does he think I'm on his side? You know, Genesis talks about the help me suitable for him. Are you his suitable help me? If you're married to him, you are to, to find out how to be suitable. Or do we try to change him? You know, we can, we can make him a little better. We can teach him a thing or two. He may change. You know, through our prayers and our love and our acceptance, he may change. He may change good. He may change bad. He may change, but either way, it's not up to us. It's God's job. God changes hearts, not me. I can't nag him into changing or um, belittle him or be sarcastic. You know, if someone talks to you in those ways, do you want to change? What do you do? No, you, no. you fight back. 
So how do we let him know we're on his side? First, we adore him. These are the four words we talk about at Christown. Adore, appreciate, admire, and accept. When you adore him, remember what you loved about him in the first place. Do you remember? Or has it been too long? Maybe you lost sight of it. Maybe it's not there anymore. Maybe you have to find something new to love about. Our guys change over the years, ladies. There might be, you know, life's traumas may have changed him. There might be some PTSD. There might be some injury. There's aging. We got to keep up. We have to find things to love about him, no matter what stage we're in. He will change, and so will you. We get our eyes so focused on him, we forget about us, right? We change too. Maybe we're not the sweet little thing that he married. Maybe we're not the little adoring woman that thought he was wonderful. Maybe he's sad you've changed. Appreciate him. Thank him out loud, often, for things you expect and for things you don't. Thanks for taking out the trash. Of course he does that. Of course it's his job. Thank him anyway. Everybody likes to be thanked and appreciated. Admire him. Let him see the good things that you see about him. Let him see that you think he's strong. Maybe you think he's handsome. Well, of course you think he's handsome. <laughs> Maybe. Or smart. Or funny. Maybe you could thank him for being, admire him for being faithful and loyal and a good provider. Celebrate with him those good things. With my um, I kind of came to tears yesterday talking to my daughter, Katie, our husband's, uh, my son-in-law, my husband, we're at a business thing all week, <clears throat> a mentoring kind of a round table. And uh, my husband has been doing it for years and he took our son-in-law for the first time because they're working together. And I, was, I called her to encourage her to welcome him home with great fanfare, you know, because a lot of times my husband would go to these things and I was so busy, we had six kids and homeschooling. I could go with him occasionally, but not often. And um, I really, now when I look, when he says things about the past, like he got an award for this or that, some of those awards, I don't even remember. And I never, maybe didn't even realize they happened because I was so into my own responsibilities. We had a lot going on. But it's really important to celebrate with them. Hey, great job. What a good accomplishment. Make a big deal out of the little things. Who else is going to celebrate with them? So anyway, we're going to have dinner Sunday night and fix some beef wellington for a successful round table. <laughs> I would never have thought to do that when I was younger. I was too busy. But I want her to know how important it is to celebrate with our guys every chance we get. And maybe your guy doesn't like a lot of fanfare, but just watch. What does he like? Maybe he likes it when you tell him good job. Or maybe if you bought him a little gift to commemorate the time, or just an extra hug and a pat and a 10-second kiss. Let him know you appreciate and understand his accomplishments. Accept him. I think that's probably the most important A of all of them. Accept him as he is. Not, don't try to change him. That's a hard one sometimes. You know, maybe there's something that you really don't like and you don't know what to do with it. Love him. That's what you do with him. Because you can't change him. You can alienate him. You can judge him. You can push him away. Or you can accept him for the things that you can. Find the things that you can accept and dwell on those. And don't ever compare him with your neighbor or your dad or your brother or maybe an ex-husband even. Don't compare. He's what you have. Let him just be him. Proverbs 14, 1 says, Wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. And I would say with her own lips, with her own mouth, being foolish with our words. And I'm not saying, ladies, not to talk when things are hard or things that need to be worked out. But if I, if I live in, these, in this area, and these are most of the things that I focus on, 
when there is an issue, then maybe he'll be more willing to hear. If I complain all the time, if I criticize all the time, if I'm always trying to change him, it just becomes like noise. But if he knows I'm on his side and I've taken the time to really love him as God would love him, then when there are issues, I'll have more voice. Now I can make an appeal. I can say, hey, this is something that really bothers me. Can we talk about it? As opposed to just that constant nagging. What do you think we think we're going to get out with nagging? You know, it's kind of our way of trying to control. I think we nag when we think he doesn't hear us. <laughs> but I promise you, he hears you. You know, we just, we're like a drip. Maybe I'll just say it again. Maybe I'll just say it a different way. Maybe I'll say it louder or quieter or on my head. Let's say it. Figure out how to say it where he's going to finally hear me. Has that ever worked for you? It never works for me. The more I say it, the more it gets tuned out. And, and sometimes I find when I nag, I haven't even taken the time to try to go to the appeal stage, right? I have tried to say, hey, can we talk about this? I just start thinking, this needs to be fixed. So I'm going to say it once. I'm going to say it twice. Try again. And he's still not hearing me. He hears me. I see a lot of smiles. We all do it. Take the time to think. What's well, a good time to talk about this? Is it when he first walks in the door? Well, not for my guy. Is it before dinner? Mm, definitely not. He's too hangry. How about when he first wakes up? Probably not. Well, you just got to get on. Kind of a narrow time, right? But it takes wisdom to find out when, or ask him, when's a good time? Ask him, when's a good time to talk? This is really something I need to process. Um, you know, I know you mean well, this is really, but this is something that's on my heart. My husband will listen to that. Yeah, and I work with my, my son. And uh, yesterday I laughed because it was so applicable to this lesson, but I got to work about an hour before he did. Someone called and wanted something from him. And it was like, ring, ring, ring. And then found something out. You know, I had, like, I had three or four things. People looking, people come to me when they want to get to my husband and my son. So I was like, I had these people looking for him. He walks in the door, he sits down. I go plop myself in his office. And I go, me, 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 me. He goes, whoa, mom, can I just have five? <laughs> it's like, I am so sorry. That was a major dump. I'm so sorry. So I left. It took him about an hour to recover, though. <laughs> it was more than five minutes. I had to apologize. But, you know, I'm, I'm already in the office. I'm already processing. I'm already on my day. And he just wants to, you know, get settled. But it was, it was kind of ah, convicting. <laughs> Don't do the dump on our guys. Uh, I think this is number four, joy. Proverbs 17, 22 says, a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Have you ever tried to get your own way by just showing how unhappy you are? Like if I act sour enough, if I pout enough, if I give him the silent treatment enough, he'll change. Oh, I saw lots of looks on that one. Yeah. It doesn't work. Well, maybe, has anybody had it work? I've never had it work. It's like, how can you not notice that I'm unhappy? How can you not notice I'm sad? It doesn't work. He doesn't hear that language. Or maybe he doesn't want to hear that language. And I'm not a crier. Um, it takes a lot for me to cry. I usually cry in anticipation of what might happen. <laughs> well, it's weird. But so I don't know about the crying thing. I haven't tried it because I can't bring that on. But I do know I can't pout and get what I need from him or want from him. 
So, but but the things that you know, and those are um, those are joy killers, right? You can't be joyful and be pouty. I want to be? I'm a martyr. I'm pitiful. I'm offended. You know, who wants to live with that? Be joyful as God has called us to be joyful. Smile. Your husband loves your smile. And he loves it when it's directed to him. That little special smile. Maybe it's a little wicked smile. Maybe it's a super friendly smile. Maybe it's a smile that says, hey, remember when? Or I'm here for you. Or I get you. Or I know what you're thinking. A smile is a secret language that you have. Smile and laugh. Make some good memories, ladies. Making memories is intentional. My husband was always so good about making sure we got out and made memories. I would stay home every minute of every day because there was always more to do. Drive, 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 drive. And he wanted to go out and play. He's so irresponsible. But you know what? You know what my kids remember? The memories. You know what I remember? The memories. And when he's no longer here, you know what I remember? All the memories that we made together. Live each day like it's your last. You don't know you have tomorrow. I don't know I have a tomorrow. When uh, Rosie was in that accident and he was gone from the house so long, my youngest daughter, Carol, was over and my husband has this habit of putting all his stuff at the end of the counter. <laughs> I just hate it. I just hate it. It's in my kitchen. It's in my face. And um, I looked at Carol and I said, I really miss his piles and I will never complain again. That's not true. I have complaints now, but, but I put it in perspective, right? It's not near as important as it used to be. It means he's home. It means he's home. Perspective, ladies, smile. Take the time to make those memories with your guys. Chew on them. Have fun. Be adventurous with him. Maybe it's something you don't want to do. Do it anyway. I don't want to learn how to hike. Learn how to hike. I don't like football. Learn to like football. You're his helper and you're in his support. Learn to enjoy life with him. That was an important one for me. Our guys just want to know that we enjoy life, that we enjoy our life with him. So let's look at some signs that I'm not at peace. Do you remember the first week or two we talked about taking a pause? You know, just stop during the day, take a breath, take an assessment. Where am I at? What's my attitude, Lord? Just pray. And when I'm praying and thinking and pausing, do I see that I'm angry? Maybe some anger surfaces. Oh, I'm angry about that. That's why I'm so snippy. Is there any unforgiveness? Am I having a hard time getting over something? I haven't let it go. Mark 11, 25 says, if we want God to forgive us, we have to forgive others. Forgiveness is a 100% job. We can't just be a little unforgiving. We have to be totally forgiving. And that takes having our hearts and our minds open to the spirit. We have to give him room and time and space to convict us because we're really, really good at buying into our own junk, aren't we? Into our own story about how pathetic and pitiful we are. Maybe I'll see some bitterness there if I slow down or resentment. Like I really resent that I'm home and you're at work. Or I really resent the fact that my husband gets all kinds of accolades at work and I don't get anything from <laughs> standing here with dirty diapers and, and dishes and grocery shopping, all the things that go with it. It's not very glamorous, is it, ladies? Maybe I'm jealous or discontent. I'm comparing. Oh, if my life was like so-and-so, I'd be so happy. No, you wouldn't because you got to go with her with you. You're still there, right? 
We can't get away from us. If we're discontent here, we'll be discontent there. Those are heart issues, not circumstance issues. And some signs that I might be in those places, a dark countenance, just a dark face, no smiling, gloomy outlook on life. Everything is horrible. I don't know about you, but if I watch too much news, I kind of go there, kind of a gloomy outlook. My husband really hates it when I do a news download on him, a news dump. Have you heard all the awful things going on in the world? Let me tell you in case you didn't have time to watch the news. No, he hates that. That's how I help my guys. I don't dump on him. Don't dump the troubles of the day or the news of the day. Not that we don't talk about things. You know how we do, like we obsess and we get, you know, and one thing that happens on the news to one fraction of a percent of the population and all of a sudden it's everywhere. You know, it's like, oh, this is going to affect me. We, we blow things out of proportion when we watch it all the time. Maybe I'm judgy. Maybe I'm really hard on everybody. Why am I so hard on everybody? You know, because I haven't forgiven. Maybe I'm curt and rude. Those are all outside of the realm of peace. And then also controlling is another thing. If I'm trying to control everything, why is that? Well, I'm not trusting God. And where is the only place to find peace is if I trust him. So what can I do if I'm in that place? How do I deal with it when I'm in this place of unpeaceful and I've got this stuff all raging in me? Well, I can seek counsel, seek counsel from God's word. God's word is wise. It's the perfect counsel. And sometimes I need another layer. Sometimes I need a, a, a trusted Christian friend or a female account, an older woman. Ladies, do not go to other men besides your own husband for counsel, not even in the church. If you are a woman, do not go by yourself to a man for counsel. He is going to see a sweet young thing sitting there or a sweet older thing, whatever you are. Uh, and he's going to feel empathy for you. And how dare that guy? That's just the nature of man. It's protective. Naomi you know, always taught very strongly that the whole reason for Titus 2 is for the older women to teach and encourage the younger women. Right? I have personally seen divorce, divorce coming from a woman seeking counsel from another man. Talk to your own husband. Talk to one of us. You've got Rita and Ken as a couple. Now, a couple's different. You know, if you're if you want to talk to Rita and Ken by yourself, that's another thing too. But never one-on-one a man with a woman for counsel. Don't ever, you know, if I if I decide to stay in this area and not um, of unforgiveness and anger. And I kind of ignore the pause and I just keep going. I could have terrible results. I could have consequences. Start thinking about the D word. We don't say divorce. Once you say divorce, you have opened that door. We don't want to open that door, ladies. And if you've already been to that door, God forgives. We start where we are right now. Start where we are right now. This man that you're married to, that you're committed to, stay with him. Don't say the D word. Don't consider divorce. That does not end well. Let's see, I have a little something I wanted to read to you. Um, it's a little book I've been reading and had a good uh, little essay or a little letter from a woman who had been divorced. Kind of reminded me of a paper that uh, Carol Jones had created, but it talks about this woman and how she had reacted um, and, and how she could have reacted. And she's divorced now and she's alone and she's older and everybody's on, you know, to their own life. And here she is by herself. But it, what does that give you? It gives you perspective, right? So her perspective, I just want to, I'll read you a couple And uh, we'll talk about some more at the table. When my husband acted selfishly at home, allowed his temper to flare, and sometimes said curse words, and then went to church and acted spiritual, I wish I had prayed positively for him instead of withdrawing a little emotionally from him and letting my criticism and lack of confidence in him be so manifest. 
Sounds like a little self-righteousness going on there. I wish I had openly showed love and acceptance of him for, for himself, not impatiently waited until he acted right. When he failed the children, failed to have devotions, failed to be spiritual, failed to lead as he should, I wish I had completely trusted God and maintained unity, honor, reverence, and submission with a glad and trusting heart. I wish I had kept the children honoring him and praying for their dad instead of allowing my martyred attitude to manifest itself so openly. It's a really important point, ladies. You know, all these things that we talk about in honoring our husbands, we need to share that with our children in the way that we teach them to respect him. We teach them to respect his work. We teach them to respect the things that he provides. We teach them to respect his opinion and his authority. If we don't, we undo all that. It's better for our children to be with a mother and father who make a united stand than to divide out like that and, and go against the dad's ruling, right? We want to we obey and submit to his authority in our home. We can't expect our kids to understand submission and authority to God if we are in disobedience. We're not an exception. You and I are not an exception. God's word is true for all of us. As a believer, God's true word is for all of us. We don't get to make an exception because our husband is messing up in one area or the other. When he made a statement about someone or something, I wish I had not always put his opinion down, letting him know he was wrong. Again, when he acted like a jerk, anybody's husband act like a jerk? When he acted like a jerk, I wish I had remained quiet and prayed for him, loved him anyway, instead of letting him know what I thought about him and his actions. And then here's the last one I'll read to you. When he tried to make up to me for some failure, I wish I had not been so cool, waiting for him to suffer a little more and he and be more intense and sincere about his apology. So she was trying to extract the level of um, repentance she thought she needed for what he had, his infraction. So I think that's really telling. You know, we get so bogged down in the details, but there's a bigger picture. God has a bigger picture in mind. It's really, really important to walk through the hard things with our guys. You know, you might think this is just too hard. And I'm not talking about sin, ladies. Um, though many people work through adultery, pornography, addictions, many, many people, their hearts are changed through God's word. But if there's a, an unrepentance that goes on and on, separation might be something that's needed and lots of prayer. But there are lots of things we go through, um, you know, for, for my husband and myself, we lost a business, financial hardship, and we had this accident. We have a child who's addicted. There's a lot of things that can cause division in our family. And there's been times we even totally disagreed on those things. And I was so mad at him. And I so disagreed. But Naomi taught me, keep your mouth shut, Jennifer. I said what I had to say and I let it go. Let God do the work. And I thank God every day for this place. I could have died on so many of those hills. And what would I have been like? What, what would it have accomplished? My, husband, my son is still addicted. <laughs> you know, how, how long has it been? Leaving my husband or disagreeing so much that we didn't, you know, we couldn't reconcile. What would that have accomplished? Or beating him up over, over financial things, you know? Yeah, life was hard for a while, but we got through it. And you know what that does? That creates that place of being cherished. Cherished. Do you want to be cherished by your husband? Stick it out. I cherish you. Thank you. for My husband says that all the time to me. Thank you for staying. Thank you for not leaving me. The financial thing was pretty hard. And he still has friends who come to me and say, how did you do that? I can't believe you all are still together. I didn't do that. God did that. God does that. He reconciles our hearts. You know, if you divorce and start over, what happens? You have to start over. 
and you're still going to have problems and you're still going to have you and you're still going to have a hard heart. But God can use marriage to grow us up and come to a place of cherishing each other. Wow. My husband cherishes me. Little Jennifer who came here 40 years ago and had no idea how to treat a man, particularly not my husband, or to love him or to care for him or to build him up. And he would tell you, I fail plenty. I do. I fail plenty. I mess up all the time. And it kills me because <laughs> I think I'm doing so great. But if I ask him, he'll tell me. Then usually tell me without me asking. But I want to be better. I want to do better. I want him to cherish me. I want to be the kind of woman that he feels is his support and on his side. And I think that's what y'all want too, or you wouldn't be here every week. That's what God wants for us. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> so here's a little assignment for you. I got a little husband homework. I told you I didn't cry. <laughs> where did that come from? I really cry. Oh my gosh. The second time this week. Make a new habit. This is your homework. Think of the one thing your husband does that irritates you the most. Just one. Now say to yourself, I do not see the whole picture. I do not know what God is doing in my life or my husband's life. My critical attitude is a far greater sin than his bad habits. I am guilty of blaspheming the written word of God when I do not love and obey my husband. Therefore, I am laying down my campaign against him. Ooh, campaign against him. Concerning this issue. And as far as I'm concerned, it is God's business to direct my husband and convict him. I am trusting God. That can be a big assignment, can't it? And I'll close with a little prayer. I found this little book I had taken a class a long time ago. And this is a sweet little book. I have to be sharing some things with you. As we go along, um, but it's a little book of prayer for our husbands. I marked so many, let me just choose one. Lord, at times I can be rude and sarcastic. Anybody? Remove this automatic reaction for me. It is so automatic, isn't it? Boy, you just, it comes out like that and you go, oh, I want to take that back. Remove this from me, Lord, this automatic reaction for me, and replace it with acceptance, patience, and understanding. Thank you for the grace to accept my husband just as he is. Believe in that you are working in his life. May I continue to walk in that grace and to come alongside of my husband so that I may continue to get understanding and believe the best about him. It does take the Lord, girls. It takes the Holy Spirit to get past ourselves and to see others as God sees them. So let's just close in prayer. Dearest Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Just thank you, Lord, for the ladies that came on Zoom and the ladies and, that are here in um, Bethany with us. Lord, I pray that you would change our hearts. Make us more like you, Lord. More of you and less of us. Help us to be that support and that helpmate that our husbands need so badly. Help us to see past all the faults and the criticisms that we have towards him, Lord. Help us to love him as you have instructed us to do. Help us to admire him, to adore him, accept him. Lord, we just thank you for this time together. May you be with us for the rest of this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.